Hello and welcome. This is the Female Athlete Podcast, Hear Her Sports, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. We are here to talk sports with female athletes of all kinds, from Olympians and world champions to collegiate athletes, and also very serious regular people athletes like my guest today, runner Barb Broad. I hope you enjoy the episode and find a few gems to take into your own training and life off the field. But before I tell you more about Barb, I want to encourage all of you runners and running fans out there to listen to the podcast Women's Running Stories, where host Cherie Turner creates first-person stories told by women about their running experiences. I love the wide range of runners she features, highlighting the many ways running can impact our lives. I love hearing other women tell their stories because I always find takeaways and motivation I can apply to my own running and sporty life. A recent terrific episode featured ultra trail runner Sabrina Pace Humphreys, who went from being a non-runner in her 30s to becoming one of the most influential voices in the sport. And she has completed some of the world's most challenging ultra events. I didn't know anything about Sabrina. What an amazing athlete and activist she is. She's even on the current season of Survivor in the UK. Her story is fascinating. So give Women's Running Stories a listen. Find it on all of your favorite podcast players or go to womensrunningstories.com. And now on to this week's episode. As I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Barb Broad. Barb Broad is a 73-year-old runner who lives and trains right near me here in Cleveland, Ohio. Barb is a retired speech-language pathologist who discovered running thanks to one of her sporty female friends when she was 40 years old. Instantaneously, she loved the sport, becoming more and more passionate about it. She trained with coaches, went to a nutritionist, and generally fully committed to being the best she could be. She tells that story and in particular honors a coach who saw something special in her. And pay attention because this is a great lesson for all of us. Barb raced her best marathon times in her 60s. 3.19.01 when she was 60 at the 2011 Boston Marathon, and in 2012 when she was 62 at the Twin Cities Marathon, she ran a 3.18.40 to win the Masters Marathon Age-Graded Championship. During her career, Barb has run 23 marathons, including eight times at Boston, where she won her age group four times. She's also run about six half marathons with a PR of 133.09, which she did when she was 62, Barb also races on the track, where she has won multiple gold medals in the 400, 800, 1500, 3000, 5000, and in the mile, including breaking the world age group record in the mile with a 559.5. I've included specifics of all those results in the show notes. One thing I really like about this episode is simply the opportunity to hear from an older athlete, to find out how Barb is staying healthy and able to continue running and training. We also hear about when she was a kid pre-Title IX and her Jane Fonda aerobics career. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you Barb Broad. Hello, Barb. You know, I have to first thank you so much for getting this all together. It is an absolute pleasure to have you. We have mutual friends, so it's super exciting to have you here and thank you for all the work that you've done. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) So firstly, you know, I really want to fully acknowledge your incredible running. You have had some just astounding results in the marathon and on the track since since you turned 50. I mean, were those 
fast times and medals meaningful to you, particularly since you sort of started later in life? Well, to tell you the truth, my running really was, there was a turning point in my running when I turned 56. But before that, I started running just before my 40th birthday. And after running with a small group of friends at my local, from my local fitness center and entering some races, I sort of got hooked in my, in my early 40s. And, you know, locally, 40 to 44 age group, 45 to 49, I thought I was doing pretty good running. And um, I loved it. And when I was about 40, oh, 48, 1998, I joined a local running club that really, really motivated me. And I learned a lot. And I got more competitive myself running with these people and, you know, learning so much and hearing about the races they were going to. Um, so that, you know, that really spurred me on. But it was 1995 before I joined that group that I was running with some friends, including my husband, who was part of this Tuesday, Thursday morning group early before work. And they started running with them and they started talking about the New York City Marathon which they did before, and they wanted to do it in 1995, the following year. And I heard that, and I was really excited because I grew up in New York. I'm from Brooklyn, New York originally. And I said, I have to train for that. So I trained. I bought Hal Higdon's book and used the Novice Beginner Marathon Training Program. And I was into it. So I loved it. And I did that marathon in 1995 and loved it so much. And I was on endorphin high after doing <laughs> that. I did, I did pretty well. Um, it was before chip timing. Chip timing started, you know, um, I think in 1990, maybe 97 or 98. I'm not sure. But I did. So that means that your race time was from the moment the gun went off to the, right. to you the know, finish. Yeah. You line up on the Verrazano with... 26,000 other runners <laughs> right, up and right. below and you take off. And I watched the Verrazano bridge where we crossed. That's where you line up. I watched that going up. I lived about eight minutes from there. So oh, wow. <laughs> I was watching that up and that I was on an endorphin high after that marathon. I don't know, maybe <laughs> it was, I don't know, half a year or more. And I said, I have to do this. I have to do this again. Sorry. That was your first marathon. That was my first marathon. And fortunately, I got in to the lottery both years. And my husband got in in 1996. You had to enter a lottery and, you know, they choose a certain number from Connecticut, from New Jersey, the tri-state area first. Then they branch out to all the other cities, then all the other countries. So so we got in and it it, it was great. So before that, that, that was your first marathon be but yes. before that, you had been doing local races. Is yeah. that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you were competing basically right from the beginning. I was competing, yeah, about five years after. Well, let's see. I started running, yeah, on my 40th birthday, uh, just before 1990. And five years later was my first marathon of 23. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wow. Okay. So go ahead. Nope. It was, um, it was great. So a couple of years later, 1998, I joined another local running club 
the Southeast Running Club, which I still belong to. I still run with them on Sunday mornings when I get there. And they were pretty, they had a reputation of um, pretty competitive running group. Lots of, lots of runners, all ages. It started in the 70s and many of them, many of them competed for years. Some ran in college. There were newbies, whatever. So I joined this group and I really, really loved it. Then I did you know, Chicago Marathon. We we just loved traveling together. Whoever was running, we went away and did marathons all over. And it was great. But what really changed was in 2006. So my marathon times were basically, I don't know, anywhere from like 341. I know I did in New York 1996 to 403, one of the Bostons. I'm running in 2006. And um, one of my running friends in the club, he was running next to me. And out of the clear blue, he says, Barb, what do you want to do now? And he said, do you still want to be a runner or do you want to be a competitor? And I said, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, do you want to run marathons or do you want to race them? And I said, I did race the marathon. I think, I think he was referring to the Cleveland Marathon I did and I... I don't know. I might have done like high 340s or four, four hours something. I don't, I don't know. But I said, I did race the marathon. And he said, why don't you meet me at the track, at the high school track next Tuesday? I'll have you do some, run some laps. He said, speed work is really going to help your marathon times. Now, this friend of mine, still a very close friend of mine, Glenn Andrews, he was in my, he's my age, 73. He was a standout 800-meter college runner, and he loves everything running. I mean, he, he worked full-time, but it's like his part-time was following races, following track, following high school, everything, all the big races, the local races. So he told me, um, just meet him at the track. So I met him. I met him the following week. And he told me to run, run around the track, run twice around the track, start running easy, and then just build up your pace as you go. So I did that. And when I was done, I thought I was going to die. My throat, my throat was on fire. I was coughing nonstop. And I told him, Glenn, I'm 56, and I think I'm too old to start track now. And he said, no, you're not. He said, I want you to go recover, just jog easy, and then I'm going to run with you, and I'm going to pace you the same two laps. So whenever, however long it took until I recovered, I don't know. But anyway, I got back. He ran next to me, and he paced me, and I ran with him. And he said, well, that was the same time as when you ran, but I paced you 400 meters the same time. And I felt great. Mm. I really, really felt good from doing it that way. He said, he said, the first 400 you did on your own was too, you went out too fast and you had nothing left in the second lap. So I asked him after that, I said, so what do I need to do? What are we going to do now? And that was that. You said that it was important for you to tell the story. Why was it like what's so important about that story? It's what a very it it's you? a very important story. It means so much to me because he had a vision and he believed in me. He's mm. 
I mean, I think he might have been coaching a couple of, you know, informally, a couple of runners at the time. Um, he followed every everything, but he really believed in me, and he he just saw that that I had some more speed in me. I just didn't know what to do. So I started training with him, and I loved it. Well, I had a, to tell you the truth, I had a, a love-hate relationship at first when I met him on Tuesdays. It started getting a little, it started getting a little harder. And um, sometimes I would like say to myself, oh God, I hope it rains on Tuesday night. There won't be track, you know, it was like, like that. But then once I started, once I got there, I really liked it. Then soon after that, he started training a couple of other runners and these were post-collegiate runners. He wanted to start training some post-collegiate area runners and form a running club. And that's exactly what he did. Glenn would go to some races and he knew a lot of people. He's been, you know, he's a Clevelander all his life in the running community. And um, he saw some he saw some runners at the finish line. And he would start talking to to them and with other people, and he asked them if they'd like to improve in their running. And well, lo and behold, before you knew it, oh, let's see, one, I don't know, there was definitely a handful of runners. One ran in Toledo. She was a 10K runner. These were young. They were. This was post college, and they and they joined him in running. He named the club the Cleveland Elite Running Club. I was thrilled because I was part of that club. I was the I was the newbie and I got to run with them only on Tuesday evenings when there were track workouts. Everyone had their own, you know, some of the girls had the same plan, the same track plan, the same workout interval plan, and I had mine. Just being with them on the track was all the motivation I needed. It was it was great. What a gift. Yeah, it was it was really good. I really love track. Now he's a real track head, Glenn, and he started encouraging me to enter some track track meets, which is exactly what I did. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that it's so important to you that he believed in you because I would say ninety nine percent of my guests had that one person that believed in them that sort of gave them the hint that they could be better, could do better, could win more races. It's just fascinating that again, you know, here you are another guest who falls into that category. I love it. Exactly. So what kind of training are you doing now? Okay. So things, things changed um, a little. I started doing some track meets and I had my, you know, like most runners, an injury here, an injury there and blah, blah, blah. In 2015, I was disappointed in a track championship that I did in, um, where was that? That was in North Carolina. And I was disappointed in my time. I was running with a strained hamstring, which wasn't really the smartest thing to do. I pushed myself too much. And I just got really down on myself. And I really needed to recover physically and mentally. I sat down with Coach Glenn and I told him that I needed a break. I wanted to get healthy. I was going to get physical therapy. And I was just down on myself, even though I did pretty decently. It just wasn't the times that I was wanted in the mile, in the 1500, I think it was. And after that, I got into a little slump. What uh, set me back a little 
was I was training too much. I knew things had to change. Let's get a little history on that. So tell me what year was that and how old were you? Just just to give us perspective. Yeah. I had been doing marathons at the same time I was doing indoor championships. And mm. yeah, at first it was great because the marathon training and the running, you know, the distances plus the speed really helped. That's why from ages um, like... Oh, in 2011, that's when I first started the track through 2015, I was doing well in track. But then, like I said before, 2015, I had, I was burnt out. Running now is different. Running, I run four days a week now. I recover more. I have to recover more. And I continue to do my strength training, agility training, I went back and worked with a, um, I work with a, a trainer now who I was training with for years, doing strength training, plyo, whatever. And I just went back with him in July because I needed, I needed to be accountable <laughs> to someone who was really going to work with me. Cause I, you know, even though I like working out a lot, like I said, I have a little gym here, but I also belong to Lifetime. I, I wanted him to work on specific you know, running specific things for me that I needed to get stronger in and continue running and see see how far I can go. So this slump that you had, that was you said that was in twenty fifteen. Yeah, that was in that was in about twenty yeah, twenty fifteen. And so I was in a slump. I was running, I was you know, I was doing okay. And then I don't know, I, I'm trying to think what happened was in 2019, I had my goals to run the track again. In 2018, in 2018, I wanted to do, um, do track. And I got in touch with a coach who lives in California and said, next year, I'd like to do the Outdoor Masters Championships in 2019. And she said, Oh, she she would love to coach me. She was a great runner. In fact, this year she she just finished the outdoor championships, and she's like number one in the four hundred and two in the I think the two hundred in the world. She's wonderful, and I and I trained with her uh, long distance, you know, remote WhatsApp, whatever. She gave me the training to do, and I and I came back in twenty nineteen with hopes of going to worlds, which I had never run before. But then we had a pandemic. Then, then COVID came and that put the kibosh on that. And I really <laughs> yeah. got, I really got depressed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you manage the depression? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. The tracks were closed. The, right. run, the fitness center was closed. Uh, it was, it was hard. What I had to do my husband and I set up a little gym in our family room. We got a bench. We got, well, I had a stability ball. I got more resistance bands. And I got in touch with that trainer that I had been training with for years before. And he decided to do like a small group on, the, on um, Zoom once a week. And uh, that helped. That really, that really helped. Uh, to get back into, you know, this training and keep, keep it up and have some people to, to share that with. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got through the pandemic, but I was really, it was, it was really upsetting because, you know, as a track runner, everyone wants to, to attend a world championship race. I never did because, number one, usually need about 12 days to go. They're all always in Europe. Sacramento was, you know, a couple of them were here in the United States, but it was before I was into track. This one was in my backyard. It was, it would be like five and a half hour drive to Toronto from, from my house. So I really wanted to go and I really wanted to get on the podium at Worlds, you know, but that's, that's what happened. So, ah. Eh. Hmm, what can you do? But yeah. now Cleveland is going to have the Pan American Games in 2024, next summer. And every sport is going to be offered to compete in, including pickleball, which I do not play. And I have no intentions of playing, but they will have track and they will have distance running and pretty much everything else. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Is, is that your major goal right now? Well, my, yeah, I think my major goal is to try to um, to run the an eight hundred and whatever fifteen hundred or the mile they usually offer. I think I'd like to do that, and you know, see some of my peers all around the country. Although they might be doing an outdoor championship at that time, I don't know. Maybe I do another outdoor track race too. The big thing is, I have to stay healthy. I have to try yes. to stay injury injury free. Um, I don't even know if I don't even know what I could do, but we'll, we'll see. I'm just starting to incorporate some track work in my training for a local 5K turkey trot in November. I'm going to get on the track and start doing it slowly but surely. Yes, because you mentioned that you have been injured. You're just getting back, so describe. What it was like, yeah, describe the injury and what it's been like getting back. Okay, so on March 30th of this year, I came back from vacation after a long flight, two flights from Arizona, then Denver, then home, and I stupidly picked up a heavy suitcase when I got out of the car. It was just there, you know, my husband, he thinks I'm strong, I think I'm strong, but nope. I picked up the suitcase and strained my lower lumbar, and uh, that was March 30th, and started PT like the following week, and it slowly got better. It got better. I did the exercises religiously. I'm very religious about working on injuries. I did that, and then two weeks, two or three weeks after that injury, the lower lumbar shifted to a pinched nerve, which is not that unusual, in my lower right leg. So I had to work on that, do all the physical therapy, nerve flossing exercises. And I got rid of that. And I just started started back running, let's see, maybe two months ago, something like that, very slowly. I mean, I am up to seven, seven miles for my long run. It took a lot of time. Yeah, but I'm, I became a student of running injuries from the, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tell really. me more. Right, right. Well, I mean, I've had the Achilles, you know, like a lot of runners, Achilles tendinopathy. Um, my first, my first running injury was a hamstring injury that 
lasted about, oh, 16 months. I, this was, oh, this was before 2000. I was running up a hill that had not been snow plowed with my Sunday morning running group, and there was a slushy snow. Your feet, you don't get traction. And it was a long hill. And yeah, I had a level two hamstring injury. So into physical therapy, and that was that was tough, but got over that. I've had the Achilles tendonitis last year. I had arthroscopic surgery in 2006 on a bone spur and whatever else was going on with my ankle. Um, I mean, yeah. So I learned and I learned anatomy. I read everything I could on injuries and how to go about treating them. So, well, what yeah. are you, I mean, what are your tricks? I mean, because from my perspective, you're 73 and you're still running. It seems miraculous. Well, it's not miraculous. You just, <laughs> you know what? I started running at 40. So I didn't, like my friend said, when I started running, you're going to be good. You have young legs. Well, I started running at 40 and the wear and tear hit me. Like they say, you know, you're, you reach your whatever peak, but you can still keep going. Um, in my 60s, 65. 65 and afterwards more injuries will happen your training you're increasing your training but I just learned how to you know deal with it I have you have to take time off and you have to get in the pool and do pool running and just take it take it slow I mean yeah we all have overuse injuries but now the last year or two I really listen to my body because I know from being injured when you can't run how you are mentally it's really, it's really tough. And I don't want to be in that, that dark place. <laughs> so I, um, I hear you. when I'm running and I feel a niggle or something, I, I, I stop, I stop running. Then, you know, you walk a little and then you want to see again, if it's going to come back again, that little whatever in your calf or your ankle or whatever. And you just, you say, nope, I'm off. That's it. And you just cross train, get on the bike, go on the pool, walk, walking's great, and and just keep going. So how much rest are you taking and, and do you program it? So you like, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday you're resting or do you This is here's my schedule pretty much. Okay. Yes. I run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. That's what I do now. I used to run six days a week. Then I was doing five not too long ago. I'm feeling really good running four days a week. I like to do a long run on Sunday. I'm going to build up my long run. It's not going to be real. I don't need to run, you know, if I, whatever. I don't need to run like, you know, real long. I think the maybe I'll do a half marathon down the road, maybe next year. I don't know. But for a 10K, I don't need to run more than 10 miles for a long run. Saturday is always, I have a Saturday morning running club also. I just do my own thing because the other runners are all training for something and they're, they're, they're in a whole different league for me. I usually meet them I run by myself. I'll do no more than four to five on Saturday. I can get by with five miles Saturday and then running longer Sunday. But the other days, I recover Monday. On Wednesday, I'll do strength training. 
Friday, do lifting. I'll do upper body, lower body here and there. I just keep up with, you know, just keep up with everything that I can. But definitely I feel better and not as tired <laughs> running, running four days. And from what I've read, four days is really good for my age. So I think I'm going to stick with that. I mean, I'm asking a lot about injury because I recently broke a finger, listeners Ooh. know. And okay. uh, Sorry. Recovery, yeah, exactly. Recovery has been really difficult. And as you said, you know, when you can't do the physical things that you normally can do, it it's very difficult mentally. Oh, it is, especially when when um you have a lot of running friends who are, you know, running. But the thing is, I don't know. I'm um I'm just happy where I am now. I feel really good for my age. And I think a lot has to do with the fact that I'm surrounded by a lot of younger runners that are really my good friends and that I do, you know, meet up with on the weekends or whenever, sometimes on a Tuesday morning, like I know two years ago, I would meet up with my younger friends. They would do their track workouts. I would do mine, but we were still together. And um, we just, you know... I don't know. I don't get caught up in my age at all, that's for sure. Hello. I'm interrupting this episode for a very short minute to encourage you to order all of your books via our bookshop page at hearhersports.com books. I know it's so easy to get free two-day delivery, but Bookshop is super easy to use, supports local bookstores, and supports this very podcast. A small portion of your purchase goes directly to us. Today's episode relates to lots of books available at Hear Her Sports Bookshop. Barb Broad just read the terrific Good for a Girl, Running in a Man's World by Lauren Fleshman, or try Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook, because later in the episode, Barb describes how she eats, and it reminded me so much of how Nancy Clark suggested eating in episode 146. And there is always the longtime favorite, Hal Higdon's Marathon Ultimate Training Guide, which Barb used to train for her first marathon. But find all of our selections and order at hearhersports.com books. You can also get there from Hear Her Sports website. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Now let's get back to 73-year-old runner Barb Broad and hear about what she did before she found running 
when she was 40 years old. You mentioned that you started running when you were 40. What were you doing prior to that? Oh, prior to that, yes, prior to that, at my fitness center, they had those, oh, I was doing that for years, you know, the step aerobics. Right, right. Step dance, uh, dance, dance aerobics, you know, all that Jane Fonda stuff and beyond, you know, I was doing that. What do you remember from that era? You know, like doing those Jane Fonda workouts. I mean, now that you're doing these running and... (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, I think I'm laughing about it. You know, we, we wore those colored, funny, funny leg warmers. They were so, you know, so popular. I was yeah. into it. You know, you had your friends, you went there, you know, had coffee or you went to lunch. It was fun. It was a group thing. I didn't know, you know, I was, I was doing that. It was the summer of right before I turned 40. I was you know, 40 that September. So July, 1989 in the summer, I was going to the, to the uh, fitness center and a friend said to me, well, I was getting bored with it also at that time, you know, I would work, go to work and then procrastinate going to the class. And a friend that I had met in the, in the aerobic step class said, and I knew she was, she had started running. She said, why don't you just meet me and we'll go for a run. You're going to love it. So I bought a pair of running shoes and we met at the Shaker Lakes, Shaker Heights Lakes. They're beautiful. And we ran. Yeah, I think that was, that was in July, the end of July. I loved it. I loved it so much. I didn't get back to that fitness step class <laughs> um, ever, uh, you know, again. <laughs> do you remember that first run? What was it like? What do you it remember? Was, it was glorious. I felt great. I really, really felt I really felt good. I felt, I felt strong. You know, I'm not putting those, all those step classes and ballet classes and whatever other classes I took over the years, I'm not putting that down because it does keep you in shape and uh, keeps you social and healthy. So, you know, it all, it all played into it, but I did love running and um, I just, I just, you know, enjoyed it. And I, I just thankfully um, met, met great, great groups of people that inspired me. I am so inspired. The other thing about age, like people say, oh, you're still running. At these track meets, these USATF track meets all over the country, you meet runners and you get to know them that are in their 70, 80, 90s that are incredible. They're in, they're just, I mean, they're, you know, after a race, they're limping. They, they don't know if they're going to do the race tomorrow. They're, they have arthritis in their toe. They don't know if their back hurts. I mean, but they continue, they keep going. They are so inspiring to, to you. I think about that when I'm injured and sometimes, oh, by the way, just getting back to when I had that lumbar injury, the end of March. I, I got so, I, I got really, you know, depressed. It was, uh, the spring was coming and I wasn't going to be able to run for a while and all this. I started thinking about these people that I know that push themselves, that are so healthy and so inspired that they, they just keep you going. You just snap out of it when you think about these other people that you know that just keep going. It's amazing. There's a woman, I think she's 86 now. Her name is Flo Myler. 
she's doing races, events, track and field. She's a heptathlete. Wow. It's amazing. During that time when you were injured and you could not run, like, how were you occupying your time and remaining as mentally strong as you could? You know, like, what were you, th there's this time where you can't do anything, but you're, you're, you're yeah. still feeling moderately okay. And that's when, for me, it's tough. So what were you doing in that sort of time right before you could get going again? Well, I was in physical therapy, so that, that really helped. And I always had a home program to work on. And, you know, even though, you know, it, it was my lower back and that lower leg, but I um, like doing those exercises. You're still strengthening. I had to strengthen my lower right leg because I, it was definitely weaker than my left leg. So I was doing these exercises and that was, that was helping. That was keeping me occupied. And I was very, you know, regimented about doing that. And I also, you know, would go indoor cycling, not outdoor cycling, indoor cycling. And I was rowing on the rowing machine. I was able to do some, um, let's see, the elliptical, easy. And I was at the workout center and just surrounding myself with people and I knew I had a schedule and I slowly got, you know, I slow, I was able to run easy after, let's see, um, in May. So about four weeks later, I started running, you know, easy, easy, and then just built up from there, you know, a couple of days, days a week. I'm just very optimistic and positive in my nature. So I wasn't going to get you know, I'm not going to get down on it. I think of things that I can look forward to down the road. And that's my goal. I, I appreciate that you say that you're optimistic, but you're also willing to admit that there were these sort of down moments when you were injured and not able to run. I think that's important. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, you have to keep going. First of all, the older you are, you lose you lose your strength, you lose your speed, you lose muscle, you lose your lung capacity, you VO2 max. It goes, it goes fast. <laughs> you just got to work. You want to keep up. You want to keep up with everything. You don't want to lose, 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 you know? So you just have to have a, a, a positive, a positive outlook. Do you work on form at all? running form technique? Yeah. Yeah. I work on, I have to work on my, um, I definitely work on my, my posture, mm. my form. Yeah. Here's an injury on November 13th, 2020 on a Sunday run, I fell five minutes into a slow, very slow jog talking to a friend for about 10 seconds and fell. I just tripped over a little bump on the road and had a partial tear in my rotator joint. That was something else. That was tough. Anyway, I had to I had to train. I had to go to physical therapy and I had to work on my posture, my shoulders, my you know, everything and uh because that was that affects your running tremendously. So I did those exercises too. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have to 
work on my form. I don't have to think about it every every day. I think it's been ingrained in me. I got a lot of good form running on the track. It, that mm. really, really does help. Yeah, so biomechanically, I was always pretty good. I don't have a long stride, but I have really good cadence. But posture goes. The back muscles, the shoulders, everything you really have to... You have to strengthen that and run with good form. How else are you staying healthy? I mean, nutrition, sleep. Yeah, all sleep, sleep. You know, when you get older, <laughs> sleep, sleep becomes an issue. Um, I don't have trouble falling asleep. It's sort of after I get up at night to use the bathroom. I don't always go back to sleep the way I'd like to. So. It gets hard. I can function well on six hours of sleep, but I function a lot better on seven. So for me personally, I take one and a half milligrams of melatonin and it does help. It helps me get some more sleep. Not every night. There's, you know, maybe two nights a week when I'm up way before I want to, but that's sleep. Nutrition wise, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm not real, real strict. I'm not vegetarian or vegan. I'm more Mediterranean. I don't know. I, I love I love food, but I don't eat a lot of junk. I like chicken. I like I'll have I'll have steak, lean steak. I went to a nutritionist when I was. Let's see. I went to I went to a nutritionist. I think it was about I don't know maybe two years or three years after I was into track. Um, I was really, I was, I'm thin to begin with, but I was really, really losing, I was losing weight. I mean, I felt strong. I don't know, my 17, maybe a pinch less than 17 body fat, whatever. Uh, um, I had metabolic testing and VO2 testing and all that. And things, things were okay, except I just was losing weight. So I went to a nutritionist. She said, you need to eat more. She said, why are you having a half a sandwich at lunch and yogurt when you can be eating a whole sandwich at lunch and yogurt and, you know, some more dairy. Now, I know some people don't like dairy, but I love almond milk and I eat yogurt. I eat, I eat a lot. It's just my frame, maybe, maybe a little metabolism thrown in there. I don't know. I'm okay for my racing weight. Um, as Matt Fitzgerald tells us, I am 5'5", five five, and I weigh 105 to 106 after a big meal, and that's, that's okay. I'm strong, but the nutritionist did tell me to, to eat more, add more calcium and protein, and I have, I have good healthy snacks, and I eat I eat more for breakfast than a lot of people. I love breakfast. What was breakfast today? Oh, breakfast is usually the same thing every day. I have two two slices of whole grain toast, peanut butter, sliced banana, and then I have Greek yogurt and fruit and maybe if not fruit nuts, but I always try to have, I always have blueberries and sometimes raspberries when I have them. And lo and behold, I have that. Fills me up. I have coffee. Coffee the first thing when I wake up so I can function. 
And then even if I'm not running, working out, like two and a half hours later, I need, I need a little something. So I'll have, um, I'll have like, a, you know, protein bar or maybe some slices of turkey and cheese. I don't know. I just, I just eat when I'm hungry. And the nutritionist said, that's what I should do. <laughs> eat when you're hungry. <laughs> I want to go back to this discussion about competing versus running. Oh my race. God. Yeah. What, what does that differentiation mean to you? Okay, now now it means now it means a lot more than when when Glenn, my running friend, you know, when he said, "Do you want to run races or do you want to race them? Do you want to compete?" So, I guess what it means to me is what I've learned um, once I started increasing my training and added a track workout, or if I wasn't on the track, I would do a hill repeats. You know, I would alternate. I added tempo runs. He added a lack tempo run during the week. Uh, sometimes a progressive run. It was. It meant more. You know, putting more into into your running and really going after your goal. You know, I would say to him after he would give me a workout or something or tell me about a race. I would say, I can't. I would start the sentence with I can't or. I won't be able to, you know, after, after looking at the track workout that he would hand me on paper, I would look at it and say, I can't do that at that pace. He said, you know what, Barb? Don't tell me you can't, you won't, or you're not able. Because you can. You just have to work, work towards it, and we'll get you there. That's how, that's how, that's how it was. So, you know, when he had new runners, I would tell them, don't, I would tell the runners, don't say you can't, don't say you won't, don't say you're not going to, you can't just listen to me, you know, and they listened. It's getting into more of a competitive mode, knowing your competitors. Um, oh, another thing he would say is you got to get to the front of the line, you know, when in the race, you got to move up, move up to the front. Okay. And all this. That's how, that's how he is, you know, don't, you know, not the front of the line where they, you know, but up, up towards the front, up right. towards the front. So you're just a couple of rows behind the leaders. Um, you learn pacing. You, you learn how to go out in a, in a 5K or a 10K versus a marathon. How to go out in a 800, you know, everything had... Um, had a way to approach it. Did your mentality change? Oh yeah, my mentality and physical being changed. You just you just have that, you know, go for it attitude that you can do it and you do the best you can. Before we go, you know, I always like to talk to older women who are athletic or sporty about sort of what it was like for them when they were kids. So I'm curious, you know, you didn't okay. You didn't start running until you were 40. You were doing that whole aerobics thing in the 80s. Like, what, what yeah. was it like as a kid? I mean, that's totally pre-Title IX. Oh, yes. I graduated high school in 1968, and I always wished that I had started running in, in high school. But it wasn't until 1972 that was Title IX. When I was younger, I was a tomboy. I loved hanging out, you know with my girlfriends, but we would go 
watch the boys and try to get into, you know, some activities with them. And I went to summer camp. I went to sleepaway camp from the time I was nine till I became a counselor in training. I guess I was about 14. And I loved, I loved softball. I loved swimming. I loved climbing fences. So I was, I was pretty active, you know, I went to dancing school too. (laughs) So I don't know. Do you remember Title IX passing? I remember. I remember Title IX passing. And, you know, I was fortunate. One of the most memorable weekends of my life was I was asked to be Joan Boyd Samuelson's escort when she was the speaker at the Cleveland Marathon and the following year at the Akron Marathon. That's amazing. Yep. I did it twice. It, that was amazing. That's a whole other discussion. I was, I was so nervous for two weeks before I had to pick her up at the airport. I drove her around. I drove her to um, radio stations. To you know, she had a couple of interviews. I picked her up at the hotel. She asked if I wanted. Oh my gosh, she she asked if I wanted to run with her. She was going to do a quick a four mile run the day before the expo downtown Cleveland. And I didn't have my running shoes. Oh, I was upset Uh. with myself. You have no idea. Um, So I said, no, I'll just stay here. Then at the expo, she said, she's so down to earth. It is, first of all, she has two phones. She has two phones for her elite running friends and, and, and family. And then she has her phone for everything else. And she forgot the appropriate shoes for her outfit for the expo. So I lent her, I said, I have shoes. What size you, I I had shoes for her. It was, she's amazing. It was amazing. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Well, before we finish up, do you have any thing that we didn't get to that you would like to talk about or maybe advice for listeners? Yeah, I have some advice for people that may be wondering about, um, well, first of all, I encourage all runners, if they can run with a running group, a local running group in their area to do that, it can only make you a better runner. And then you have your social group. I don't know, some of the people in my Sunday morning run, they're like second family. It's just wonderful. So running with other people, of course, is great. You just get better. I mean, you motivate each other. You learn a lot. And if you're thinking about training, a lot of running stores have training groups and they have training plans with the groups to train for an upcoming marathon or a half marathon or whatever race. That's great to do too. I recommend if you want to get a coach because then you're accountable to someone and they keep you motivated, and they push you. My coach, Glenn, he he talked about getting me out of my comfort zone, and I didn't know what that really meant until he got me out of my comfort zone, but it was great. You just feel invincible, you know? It's great. I'm glad he's still my buddy. I see him. He doesn't run anymore, but we meet at the bagel shop after our Sunday run, he always comes. He's coaching now. He's an assistant coach at one of the local high schools. 
That's great. And That's yeah. Great. Do you encourage your older friends to be active? Do you have uh, any older friends who are not active? <laughs> do I have any older friends? You know what, though? I do have older friends. They might not be running, but they're very good with their chosen passion. May it be yoga or Pilates, doing that, uh, working out, walking. I have, I, I have some friends who used to run, but, you know, they're walking. They're walking now, and they're walking religiously, and they're in great shape. When I was injured... After I had my surgery and I had on, the, on that angle, I, I walked and I really, I really felt good. Even after a two-mile brisk walk, I felt those endorphins after the walk. I think walking is really, you know, really good. Yep, at some point in a runner's life when they think they can't run anymore, when they're injured and they say, oh, I'm not going to be able to run anymore, um, race walking is not bad. <laughs> really. I mean, I give them credit. I couldn't do it. That's hard. That's real hard. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. It's been really fun talking to you and it's exciting because we're, you know, in the same town. I love it. We are. We have yeah. to get together. I would love to. I would absolutely All right. love to. Good. It was so great to talk to Barb and to hear her perspective as someone older and still very much active in training. Thank you to her for being part of the show. To find links to what Barb mentioned in our conversation, go to her show notes page at hearhersports.com. I have included a link to a video about 89-year-old decathlete Flo Myler. I just love sharing these stories of female athletes. I am super glad you are here and hope you got something from the episode to motivate your own training. Thank you for listening and for being part of the rise of women's sports. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, there are lots of terrific back episodes to discover, like trail running with Christy Peoples, Olympic marathon bronze medalist Molly Seidel, Olympic gold medalist pole vaulter Katie Najat, marathoner Grace Gonzalez from Angel City Elite, just to name a very few of my terrific guests. I always love to hear from you. Email me at elizabeth at hearhersports.com or find the contact page on our website. Hear Her Sports is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts. For more information or to check out other shows on the network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. We are back to the regular every other week schedule. If you miss us in the off week, sign up for the newsletter. I look forward to including you. Have a terrific two weeks, and as always, until next time, bye-bye. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.